Hey guys, welcome back to week three. I'm Danielle. I'm Trudy. So glad that you guys are joining us again for another fun week of podcasting. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. We hope you guys liked last week's episode. Yes, yes. Definitely let us know what you thought in the comments from last week. If you didn't watch last week's, make sure you watch that before you watch this week. We're going to dive into this week's episode talking about the importance of having a strong team behind you. And when we talk about teams, we're not talking about, you know, being on an actual real estate team together. Yeah. We're talking about having, you know, solid attorneys, lenders behind you. So, Trudy, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So, so a lot of people don't realize, you know, when they start real estate, how important it is to have right. that solid team of people behind yeah. you. And, you know, in the beginning, obviously, you're not going to have those connections. Right. Uh, it's super important to have a really strong team of lenders, yeah. attorneys, inspectors, all of that mm -hmm. behind you, um, because they are what's going to get your transaction to the closing table. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize when they start real estate mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not just you as like right. an agent. Like there's a lot of moving parts mm -hmm. to a transaction. You know, you got to get the house inspected. Right. And then, you know, you need like the lender to get your clients pre-approved and yeah. do all of that. You need a super strong attorney. Mm -hmm. um, thank God we have those. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> to get everything squared away, you know, yeah. title and all of that. So it's super important because all mm -hmm. it takes is one bad person in yeah. in a transaction to kind of hold the whole thing up and yeah. mess it up for other people. I, I definitely agree with that, Trudy. I think, too, we were talking about it when we first started out, when we did have people reach out to us. I think it is important to, like, go on those coffee meetings, mm -hmm. hop on that 10-minute phone call with someone, see what a specific lender and attorney can offer you and your team, yeah. um, and just the experience they have. I think for us, we're really lucky that when we came to our team, our team leader, he's been in the business for eight years, so he had a lot of those connections. Yeah. But again, it's always good to expand and see what others can do because, you know, maybe one lender can do something that another lender can. 100%. Or maybe you have an attorney who's going to go the extra mile for you as yep. opposed to a different one. Um, and I think a lot of times, too, even when you're submitting a deal, it goes a long way to have a lender who's going to hop on the phone with the listing agent yeah. and really just vouch why your client is super qualified, why there should be no reason why this doesn't get accepted. Yep. Um, and and even for us, like the past listing I had, there were so many people that we saw and we saw like their lenders and their attorneys and we were like, wow, that's a really solid team to work with. Exactly. Like, you know, we've worked with them in the past. We heard great things. We know that they're going to get the job done. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times that yeah. kind of, you know, in inclines the listing agent to go with that offer because they know that the people on the other right. side have those strong people behind them. Because I've, you know, been part of deals where, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's the opposite. I yeah. see someone's name and I'm like, mm, I don't right. know, like probably shouldn't be working with or them. Do I want to work with them? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think even too, for example, this past listing that we had, um, the client, they had a lot of open permits and things like that. So we needed a lender that was going to be able to get the job done. Um, you know, a lot of the times too, the bigger banks, they need everything to be clean, yeah. no Squared open away. permits. Exactly. So there was someone who did, you know, present a cash offer, which is great. But she said, if I'm not able to get the funds for my closing in time for this, I'm going to have to go with, you know, I'm not going to say the name of the bank. It was a bigger bank. And off the bat, like I worked with that bank before with the past client. I knew that they couldn't get the job done. They can't close if there's open permits. And my client's not going to pay all of this money to close our permits yeah. when they're moving out of state. So unfortunately, we weren't able to go with that person because mm -hmm. they were stuck on that lender. And I knew that they couldn't get the job done. So why am I going to accept the offer? Yeah. And then and waste everyone's time. Exactly. It's going to fall through anyway. Yeah. So I, I definitely think it, it goes a long way having a solid team behind you mm -hmm. um, that's really going to 
get the job done. Yeah. And, you know, also your team, you know, you can use to mm-hmm. your advantage. You know, a lot of the times, you know, lenders or attorneys, right. they could also give you leads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they know someone coming into foreclosure or things right. of that sort, or they know someone who's looking to be uh, who just got pre-approved right. and doesn't have an agent, you know, they could kind of send those in your direction. Right. So it's kind of like a symbiotic, right? That's the word. Yeah. Symbiotic, <laughs> like relationship. You know, you help them, they help you type right. of thing. And it's always, you know, great to just work with people where yeah. there's like a mutual, you know, I help you, you help me type of thing right. because you have a lot of trust there and you know that right. everything's going to go smooth and god forbid it doesn't because mm-hmm. obviously everything you know things do get a little chaotic yeah. <laughs> um you know that they are able to clear things up and get the job done because yeah. i think that's honestly what the scariest part is right. is you know the second you think something is going right it's not in real estate it's it, gonna it go wrong yeah. and something's gonna happen right. very rarely does anything ever go perfect mm-hmm. obviously so you need to make sure that those people know how to handle those situations because right. you know sometimes i don't know what to do in that situation exactly. so i have to lean on somebody and be like hey you know right. what would i do in this case or you know can you direct me to somebody who could get this solved right so that's super important because that also helps your clients you know you want to best represent your clients mm-hmm. and you know make sure that they have they know that you have strong people behind you right. as well yeah you definitely want someone who's like gonna go to bat for you and, yep. and make sure that they're getting the deal done because like you said chaos always comes up <laughs> so you yeah. want to make sure that you have someone that's gonna get the job done that's not afraid of a sticky messy situation yeah um i think also too from past experience uh, a deal that you know i currently well should be closed by the time that this <laughs> um but we were working the seller's end and on the buyer's end, there was just no communication yep. and it made the deal really difficult. And we were on, you know, a time crunch because the sellers had to close on an out of state property by a certain date and that state didn't have attorneys. So they don't have like that 30 day grace period mm-hmm. that we have for the honor about contract date, whatever the date is, that's when they have to close. Um, and, and it was really challenging because, you know, the loan officer, she wasn't answering. And then, you know, when we try to get information, very unhelpful, one day would tell us one thing, then another day tell us another thing and just, you know, de- definitely didn't want to talk to us, didn't want to yeah. deal with us. I think also, too, sometimes you have attorneys where they don't want to speak to anybody but an attorney. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Had another deal where our attorney, his paralegal, was, you know, the one handling the emails, which most times the paralegals are the one who handles the emails. Yeah. And this attorney said, I'm not answering a paralegal. I'm, I need to speak directly to you. So I think it gets really frustrating because it's something that, hey, this could be under contract in X amount of days and now it's dragged out. Yep. Or again, it's like we need communication and transparency yeah. if everything's going good on the loan side, on the financing side. Yep. And when you have someone who's not answering, that's such a key component. Yep. It makes it frustrating. And I think sometimes, even though you know money talks, it might be better sometimes to accept an offer that's a little bit lower, but you know there's a solid team behind them yeah. than someone who's offering a lot of money, but you know the bank might not be able to get it done. The attorneys are not going to be mm-hmm. communicative. So I think that people should understand that goes a long way. It's not just the number you're presenting. Yeah. It's also the team that's backing you up as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, communication really is key when you're an agent. Yeah. You know, you can't... Uh, Real estate has a lot of moving parts and things move mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, one day you could have an accepted offer and the next day you could have a higher offer and then right. maybe something even after that. So it's super important to make sure that everybody on your team is like in the loop right. because all it takes is one person not answering, whether mm-hmm. it be an agent, a lender, an attorney right. to kind of just like 
basically ruined the whole transaction. Exactly. And, you know, that's exactly. not what anybody wants to happen. Right. So it's super important if you are getting started in real estate to have those people mm-hmm. behind you um, and make sure that they have time for you and can communicate with you. Right. And, you know, if you have a question, they're easily reachable and, you know, vice versa. You need to be easily reachable as well. Yeah. I think that's like super important is just having people that are going to be transparent all around mm-hmm. and not keep anybody out of the loop, especially in this industry. I know it could seem like, hey, I, maybe I'm eating dinner, this or that, but sorry, I have to answer my phone. Me not answering my phone could be, you know, the opportunity where somebody else just put in a higher offer and snag the property that my client has been obsessed with. Yep. So I think it's just really important that you and everybody that you're working with is just all on the same page and just communicating back and forth. Totally agree. I also think what people don't realize either is it's okay to not know everything. hundred. I yeah. think that's why we're working with, you know, experienced lenders, experienced yeah. attorneys, because especially for us, we are not lawyers. We are not qualified to give legal <laughs> advice. We actually can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important that if your client comes to you with a legal problem or if they come to you with a question about mortgages, it is, you know, super beneficial for you to have at least top line knowledge and kind of know what your yeah. line is going through. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it's really important to urge them in the right direction and the right resources mm-hmm. and not just try to guess and be like, oh, well, I, I think this is yeah. it. And then now they're in legal trouble and they're like, well, Trudy and Danielle told me that this was okay. And their attorney is like, well, they're not lawyers. Yeah. Exactly. No, I totally agree. And I think that's something um, to talk about. A lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, obviously when you start in any new field, you kind of want to, you know, present yourself as, you know, like you know what you're doing, which, you know, to some extent you do, but there's times where you're not, you're not going to have the answer and you're not going to know. So don't feel the pressure to be like, like oh, I have an answer. Yeah. Like what, you know, when people would ask me questions and I don't know, say I'm on a showing, you know, oh, you know what? I'm not quite sure about that, but let me like check with the listing agent and I'll let you know, like, don't be scared to like push things off a little bit or onto other people because Mm -hmm. the last thing you want is somebody suing you and then your whole commission check is like gone 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 because you're paying for an attorney and you know they took that from you exactly you know don't be scared to like redirect people and and your clients yeah and people don't realize that it'll go much further if you're just honest with your client and you're like hey this is my knowledge but again I'm not the expert on loans I'm not the expert on legal advice you really need to speak to this person because they're the expert in their field yeah and I know me personally even outside of real estate if I ask a question to someone and they're like well I'm actually not well versed in this yeah. speak to this person I'm like I appreciate that of course me too yeah. I'm like you know what wow thank you so much for directing me in the right right you know way so that I can figure it out for yeah. myself because I think there's nothing worse than when someone acts like they know everything and then they tell oh my you god those then, are the worst kind of people yeah. which Speaking of, there's a lot of agents out there that do think they know everything and, you know, it's, that's not how it is. Don't be scared to just, you know, push things off to other people and really lean on your team. That's, that's why your team is there. Right. Lean on your resources, lean on the people that are experts in that field. Yeah. And for this week's Let's Get Spooky topic, we're going to be diving into the Kings Park so spooky and like i said last week notice how every haunted thing is in suffolk i'm just saying relax if you actually watched last week's episode you know what i'm talking about (laughs) whatever (laughs) no Um, comment (laughs) so diving into it i'm sure a lot of people from long island know but for any of you who are not from long island or don't know so king's park psych center it was a psychiatric hospital and it was built in the 1800s so it ran from 1885 until 1996 um shout out to all my 1996 babies (laughs) So by the late 1930s, the state began to build upward instead of outward. So I think, Trudy, you were saying that's when, what was it, that famous, like, Um, what was it, like, Like building 93 or something? Yeah, it's like a 13-story building. It's kind of like the main, Mm -hmm. I guess, 
first building of the Kings Park Psych Center when yeah, you like look the it most up. famous yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1996, there was a shortage of small community centers. So unfortunately, that's why Kings Park um, was shut down. So that's pretty much, in a nutshell, the history of it. But I think what the spookiest part is, is that people can actually still go to those buildings today and they actually walk around it. I personally would never, but this girl right here has. <laughs> um, so Trudy, do you kind of want to talk about your experience there? Sure, yeah. So I'm not that crazy. I didn't mm-hmm. go inside of the building because yeah. there's a lot of, like, if you look on YouTube and watch the videos, mm-hmm. you see there's, like, well, there's vandalism, yeah. there's broken glass, there's still equipment that they use. I was going to say, they have, like, original furniture. Yeah, stuff. which is, like, super creepy mm-hmm. and scary and just kind of, like, disgusting. Um but yeah, people always like film yeah. videos and like go in there and, yeah. you know, that's like a huge problem. I would never do that, like go in yeah, the yeah. building and like basically trespass. Yeah. Um, but I did end up walking my dog over there one day and I had like that uneasy feeling that you felt at like Ohiga Castle. Yeah. <laughs> like I just felt like somebody was like following me right. and watching me and I was like rushing to get back to my car yeah. because it's, you know, if you haven't been there, it's like it's a huge building and there's right. a bunch of other different buildings there and mm-hmm. obviously like there's not many people around there if yeah. you do go during the day which I did um but it's just like very like it gives you like that creepy vibe yeah. like I feel like someone's gonna be like in there or like a ghost is gonna pop out or someone's gonna come from the yeah. bushes <laughs> and like snatch me <laughs> like I don't know it gives a very like scary vibe I like, think also the fact that the buildings were from the 1800s like we were automatically older off the architecture rip, is always creepier no if it's built before yeah. like 1900 or even like 1920s like yeah, yeah. off the rip like i'm assuming it's haunted right and obviously everything like we said is still there people have vandalized it yeah. so it, it adds to that effect where it's like oh you see a bed that a patient was in probably or died see, like, in yeah <laughs> or you see like the command center and control center and it, it's very creepy yeah you think about like what like torment went on there yeah. um but i think it's crazy that they never just knocked it down and tried to build yeah. over it they just kept the buildings as is Super i mean weird i've heard of crazy stories people going on dates there which what would you do you if know. a date took you there if you were single obviously if a date took you to the king they were like you know like let's if go i didn't on a know date. we were going there yeah, or like what if somebody was like you know uh-huh. what let me let's like plan a surprise day right okay and they were driving up you don't know where you are mm-hmm. and they pull up to the king's park psych center what are you gonna do um you know i would be really scared <laughs> i would think there's something wrong with this person that they think a romantic first date would be to go to a king's park psych center especially if it was like at night i mean no i would just like accept my fate that i'm probably gonna die <laughs> or get kidnapped and never i mean i also again. too would like probably never drive with someone on a first date yeah, somewhere. yeah, yeah. but i mean regardless definitely very creepy that like all the buildings are still there yeah i mean it's a 13th like story building still a thing or is it like yeah no it's still it's still still 13 stories yeah it's still there it's like super dilapidated like Mm -hmm. you know half of it's falling apart and you know a a lot of people like to walk over there across the way Mm -hmm. i think there's kind of like a state park situation oh okay um which i'm sure is beautiful i'm sure that's nice right um maybe that was part of the king's park psych center and they just turned it into like a state park i don't really know right um that part seemed really pretty but yeah i would not go inside i definitely think you know these people probably suffered there you know mentally obviously they suffered maybe physically yeah most likely probably because at that time they were still performing like prefrontal lobotomies yeah (laughs) so definitely some suffering went on and i just feel like i wouldn't want to you know kind of like disturb like i know i guess like the tortured like people i also think what's crazy is this ties into what you and i were talking about why are people so willing to go to a haunted hotel or a haunted you know old psych center 
but they won't live in a haunted house. Like, yeah. I just think that's so interesting. And I think it kind of stems from the fact that if you're going to a hotel, you're probably not staying for more than a few days. Yeah. Just so an extended a little, little stay. Yeah. yeah. I think people are kind of curious. It feeds see. into that a little right. bit. It kind of like. Like the adrenaline. Yeah. Is it real? Is it not real? Fills their appetite for like that hunger. Right. You know, that like haunting that they want. Right. As opposed to living in a haunted house where it's yeah. like, hey, that could be like a forever home. Yeah. So you don't want to be like living with that. But I mean, still me personally, I wouldn't go anywhere that I knew was haunted. Yeah. No, me neither. And it's also super dangerous to just be like walking is, around that yeah. place. There's like windows that are broken. Mm-hmm. Medical supplies. Like, yeah. yeah. People obviously go there and do like not good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, definitely not a place that you want to be or especially at night. I would never yeah. want to go there at night. It's so scary. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you want to do the hot take? Hot of the take week? of the week. I'm fucking hot. Jeez. For the hot take of the week, the question we are asking mm-hmm. is fixer upper or move in turnkey ready? I think this is like an interesting one that we always go back and forth uh-huh. between. Because obviously, if you have a turnkey, beautiful home, it's probably on the higher end of your budget mm-hmm. as opposed to a fixer upper, which, you know, obviously will be cheaper. Um, me personally, if I had the means, I'm not a creative person. I'm not an interior designer. I have a hard time <laughs> going into a home and being like, oh, Seeing yes, the vision. Yes, this is how I would decorate it. You know, I would love to hire an interior designer when I have a house yeah. day. So I probably would do the turnkey ready to move in home. Um, but I know people kind of rather make it their own. So what, what do you think? I would like a fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. I like putting my own touch on everything. Yeah. I want to make everything the way that I want it. I mean, ideally, yeah. if I had the money, I would love to just build a home, you know, yeah. from the ground up, make it how I want. Right. But, you know, definitely in this market, I'd probably pick a fixer-upper because yeah. that's kind of what most people are leaning towards. Right. But um, I guess this is a good question to ask would you if it was the top of your budget Mm -hmm. would you rather a move-in ready home or would you rather take a fixer upper and have that extra money to make it your own um I think if it was the top of my budget but I wasn't overexerting Mm -hmm. myself like I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck because of that I would still pick the the turnkey home. I do see what people are saying with the fixer upper. I think there are situations and the degree of the fixer upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have seen homes where it definitely needs TLC, but it's like, oh, maybe it's just the kitchen that needs Yeah, like you could like live in it still, even though it's maybe like a little ugly or dated and like not your style. It's livable. It's livable. But I think if it's like, the kitchen needs to re- be done. Um, all the bedrooms are completely outdated. Yeah. The bathrooms, like maybe you could live in it. Yeah. I don't know myself personally. I would kind of get the ick. And that's Big just ick. me personally. And again, I'm not a handy person. I don't see that vision. And I feel like you also have to kind of see would you end up spending the same amount anyway with a fixer upper. But again, with a fixer upper, you could budget. So maybe five years from now, you could do the kitchen. Yeah. Five years from now, you could do the bathroom if that's something you're okay with. But I'm still going to go with the turnkey home. What about you? <laughs> um, hmm, I honestly, I feel like I would probably at that point, if it was the top of my budget, go with the like turnkey home. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know a lot of the time with fixer uppers, yeah. once you start like ripping open the yeah. walls and stuff, something always like Pops happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at that point, you know, you've like torn down half your house right. and then now you need a new roof or the right. hot water heater is like about to go or, you know, it's always... Right more than what it always is yeah. and you could always budget for it but you're always going to go over that budget it's never going to be like you know by the number that you thought it was going to be so yeah. at that point i'd probably pick a move and ready home yeah no headaches and just be able to live my life in peace. i agree i think it also too depends on how long you're planning on staying in the yeah. house like if you're only planning on staying somewhere let's say for five six years yeah maybe it makes more sense to have that you know, fix your upper house, put a little bit of money into it, look at it as like an investment yep. property, sell it and like make it back as opposed to overexerting yourself 
over you know doing your budget or mm-hmm. you know maybe being in an uncomfortable situation from a monthly mortgage standpoint mm-hmm. just to have that beautiful ready to go turnkey home that it's not even your forever home yeah so I think that also plays a part in seeing what fits best for like your specific timeline yeah definitely something to consider yeah yeah because I definitely had, something I like to talk to my clients about too you know a lot right. of people don't think like that when they you know they see that pre-approval number mm-hmm. and they're just like oh I'm ready to go but they yeah. don't really think about all the pros and cons of like both I agree because I had um a like great couple that I worked with last year and there was a home that they saw in Wanto and you know definitely needed some work we knew that going into it that's why it was priced the way it was priced Mm -hmm. because it it needed you know renovations especially compared to all the other houses on the block but that's a house that you know she said to me like this is where I want to you know have my children grow up and I see myself here you know forever I want this is something that maybe I want to pass down to my kids so it's like in that sense it it makes sense for them to build up it makes sense for them to put in that TLC if that's like their forever home yeah so I think for different people it makes sense for you know certain things yeah So for this week's Let's Get Real, we have a question from Andrew. Um, So he said, what would be your best advice for new agents coming into the industry in 2024? Um, Trudy, do you want to take it away? Sure. So I think my best advice for new agents coming Mm -hmm. into the industry right now um, would be to really consider all your options, make sure you're ready to make that jump financially. Mm -hmm. And I would also make sure that you're joining, you know, a team. Right. I, I really feel like when you are first starting off, it's super important to join a team. Instead right. of being a solo agent, obviously, like we said last week, that's something that you could work towards. Right. Right. And in the beginning, it's really fundamental to have, mm. like, that mentorship. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe if you don't want to join a team, definitely at least have a mentor, somebody you can right. lean on, because stuff is going to come up and you're not going to know the answers and you're not going to know what to do. It, it yeah. comes with time and experience in right. the business. So I definitely feel like it's super important to just have that person mm-hmm. that you could like lean to and be like, hey, if, you know, blank hits the fan, like yeah. I know that you can help me figure it out. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, what we were talking about before is making sure that you're okay with putting in a lot of hours and a lot of work and not seeing a return right away, mm-hmm. knowing that this is, you know, not a, an easy field, something that you really have to work towards. Yeah. I think also too, being okay with sacrificing your weekends, um, yeah. being okay with, you know, answering phone calls outside of the nine to five window. I've had so many times clients call me at 10, yeah. 11 PM. And it's like, if that's what works, best for their schedule like I have to be available yeah. um so I think that's super important to kind of be okay with being uncomfortable yeah yeah um, I, I also think it's important to be comfortable with like you said uh, like another day um yeah. the rejection yeah because it's a lot of it honestly it is you know we're keeping it real it's a lot of rejection yeah. you know you see all these agents doing super well which you know of course could be mm-hmm. the case for you know some people right. but when you're first starting out the rejection is real you really need to overcome the rejection and those objections from other people you know sellers agents friends family whatever yeah um especially in this market yeah competing against 20 plus people for home yeah exactly and people are not friendly they're not nice especially in new york yeah especially (laughs) here you need to have a little bit of thick skin you know to keep persevering and pushing through because Mm -hmm. if you really want to you know make it in this industry you got to be able to you know stick it out and be tough right. and not let little people get yeah, to you. I agree. And I think, too, um, lastly, what I want to touch on with that is just being, you know, okay with putting yourself out there. I think a lot of people are really scared to do, you know, stuff like this, a podcast, yeah. or even just filming, like, a three-second reel. Yeah, 100%. I mean, right. honestly, we spoke about it. Like, mm-hmm. us last year, this time, like, 
I probably would have never have gotten yeah. in front of a camera like until I met yeah. Danny. But, you know, she gave me like the encouragement and we have a great team and right. people behind us and family who really support us and what we're doing. But it's it really is scary to put yeah. yourself out there and feel judged. Right. And I think like we were saying, especially in this market, especially with, you know, digital being the new way, like you really do have to find creative outlets to get those contacts, get that business. And exactly like you said, Trudy, like last year, I was definitely scared to do what I did dabble in, in reels a little mm -hmm. bit. And don't get me wrong, I definitely was scared. I was scared that if I, you know, shared my reels from my business page to my personal page that people were going to make fun of me. But then yeah. I thought about, like, anybody who's making fun of me is not my friend. A hundred percent. And clearly, they're a hater anyway. Exactly. Um, and guess what? When we're making more money yeah. than them, they're not going to be laughing at us. I mean, look at how many people probably laughed at, like, Charlie D'Amelio on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And look at her. Like Alex seven, Earl, yeah. same people, same thing. And they're so young and making more money than people can Will even ever imagine. see in their lifetime, probably. So that's why I think, you know, don't worry about what other people think yeah. about you all that matters is who you are as a person yeah. what your family and friends think of you yeah. and anyone else that's not in your corner is just a hater yeah <laughs> and I feel like if you're not scared doing something yeah. you know then you're not doing it for like the right reasons yeah. like it should be scary because you know there is a lot on the line when you start real right. estate but it can be very rewarding mm -hmm. and very successful and I think if you're really passionate about it and you really want to help people and yeah. this is your dream you know then I feel like you should really go for it you know so we have a question for all of you. Um, sound off below in the comments. Uh, do you believe that faking it till you make it is necessary in the business? And what are your thoughts there? I know that was kind of a hot topic we were talking about this morning. So yeah. we kind of want to hear from you guys. Do you think you have to, you know, kind of pretend to be more successful than you might be? I uh, want to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I'm excited. Sound off in the comments. And that's a wrap for episode three. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.